0: Listener production.
1: Okay, are you recording? Are Are you recording?
0: Howdy podcast people. You are listening to episode 23 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part A, coming to you this week from India Cricket World Cup style nice. This week's episode features food critic writer, food columnist, magazine editor, radio and television presenter, and, that is just getting started, Mr. Matt Preston. I'll
1: I'll go first, because really, I I think you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I know. That's a monster yes from me. I love it. Really good. Really good. good.
0: Now, this is a man, check this out, this is a man that has described his job as being paid to eat cake. Paid to eat cake. That is a gig and a half. Matt's got a lot, a lot going on, so keep an eye out for his soon-to-be-released memoir, which, as we recorded this... He was 195,000 words into. You can read his work on taste.com.au. You can listen to him on Saturday mornings on ABC Radio, including the Matt and Cat show with Catherine Murphy. The man is on fire. He is a force and he loves sport and food. Hello. Enjoy the story of Matt Preston, a man of passion. Welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series, a man that I can't even describe the amount of media tentacles he has, he writes, he's a TV star, he's on radio. Uh, with the Artist Series, we try and tie and link with sports. Sometimes it's tenuous, but with this man it's not. As we're recording this... Australia up against it in the fourth test, uh, so this will be done and dusted by people the time people hear it. But Matt, we've just had a five minute discussion about the Australian eleven, what's happening with the Manchester, whether you love your sport. Obviously, this is I'm not like, going to be a hard one to discuss with yes, you. The sport,
1: no, 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 it's, it's easy. And I mean, I think the only thing to be hard is is how I feel after having watched last night. You know, oh. Matilda's <laughs> British Open oh. Test. <laughs> Wimbledon before that And Tour de France And Tour de France So last
0: night This will be out of date But it doesn't matter Because I was talking about This with someone this morning Which In the two hour period That they were all on Obviously the Open And the Tours going on But when the Test's on When the Matildas are playing When Cam Smith's He's playing at that particular time The Tours coming Which channel did you
1: spend Most time on Oh you, you have to have Picture in picture Oh, so you're you're doubling you, up. No, you you got to double up because 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 the whole point about it, the whole point about sport, especially you know, the, the, and, I, and I did this I did this last, last night. I went and made myself a cup of tea. Uh, you know, Australia were one for, and suddenly it's, so you come back. Ah, they're two <laughs> for. You, you just sat through that. So it's uh, so it, it is a challenge. But I think you know, I think you just you're just flicking, aren't you? You yes. know, at the end of the over, poof, you're, you're able to see what's happening in the golf. You but know. Poof, back in.
0: We have a rule in our house that if you if you've got the control, you have to be definitive. And you, So you have to, in the ad break, as soon as the ad break comes in the cricket, you've got to get back to the Matildas. But we have a theory, myself and my son, who's yep. 11, who now blamed my wife the other day because she got a wicket. If Australia's batting and you come back late and there's a wicket, it's your fault.
1: The coming back late, late is a challenge. You don't quite know how long the ad break's going to no. be. And and, and with, with cricket, it is, it is you know, it, the... With 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 soccer, the chances of missing a goal are Minimum. quite small. Missing a drop catch, missing you know a moment, missing a wicket, missing it, mi- missing a, a dodgy call on um on on the, <laughs> on, the on the on the referral process. Um, gee, what do you talk about? What well, do you talk about?
0: Well, well, he was blaming his mum for getting a wicket. However, when we're bowling, if you come back late, and we've got a wicket, you can claim it. So it's better to have the control when yeah, we're no,
1: bowling. No, I, I, no I, can, I can see that. I, can, I think there, there's definitely, I mean, but I love, don't you love that? I love that about sport. There are all those rituals about, you know, I went through a period, um, I'm a, long you know since I was five I was going standing on the terraces at, at Stanford Bridge watching Chelsea and I used to fly back for you know end of the season, they'd, they'd make they'd make you know FA Cup final and we had a run where I'd come back and they'd lose and my friends were saying don't come back because you're, you're like a bad charm well because 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 we we love to believe that we can have a somehow an, an impact on what's happening and how it will work
0: when you're sitting 12,000 kilometers away on your couch you're controlling the TV and you can get a we I get it all the time if you're in commentary and Marnus, I, I remember he famously was on Maddie was on like 140 odd uh, and he'd made 150 in the first innings. And our statistician had told me it was so long since an Australian had made double 150s. Yep, right. So he's on 146. The last bloke to do this, so it's only happened twice in test cricket. Someone did it. Someone did it. Next ball, Marnus is out. Your social media, it is your fault. No, it's the comment. Oh, he
1: never misses these. Oh, it is off the side the of the The
0: commentator's curse. Uh, tell me about going – tell me about – because we have such rich, fond memories about certain things. Food is one, which we'll get to, sure. but sport is another. And often they combine. What What's a day – As a kid, in what year when you're five or six on the terraces at, at Stanford Bridge to watch the famous blue of Chelsea,
1: uh, was it just a, oh, when I, was it? Well, I think, I think, I think the thing about, about going to watch uh, sport back in those days is it was, you know, limited. I mean, you know, at Chelsea, your, your choices were between a kind of a, a horrid bovril made with powder or those hamburgers. Bovril. that They boil in brine with stinky, <laughs> with, with stinky onions. And you just never <laughs> ate them because it's just like, they these gray things bobbing, <laughs> bobbing in water in hot, Dog scam with, with the guy. In those days, undoubtedly, would he, he? would have been sucking away in a roll-up. <laughs> oh, I don't it. think I want. To, I don't think I want to eat that. So, so this this whole this whole idea of sporting stadiums having sushi bars and yeah. you know and a fancy steak restaurant that, that that's a very recent thing. So I don't I don't necessarily you know yes we went to see um LA galaxy play and we we had we had some very fine nachos on the stand in, in Los Angeles yes we went to see the red the red bull red bulls play um in New York in New Jersey in York and we and we had we had very nice hot dogs so but but that, but that that's kind of it's cultural junk yes. um so i don't think there's a i don't think there's a big there's a certain i think certain sports do attract that kind of you know it's ashes MCG, you maybe you walk in off at halftime, going to have a slightly longer lunch. You might miss half a half a session. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think you know the whole the whole culture of um of going to have lunch before the Bledisloe Cup. When it comes to to, to AFL, it's the pie, and and I always maintain that nothing tastes better. Yeah. Nothing tastes better than that pie in the fourth quarter when your team six goals up.
0: I I just uh, I just I was lucky enough this year to spend some time at the IPL and. The food was mind-blowing at the cricket. Half yeah. the time, you didn't really – I didn't know. I hadn't had a great deal of experience with Indian food and what I was eating, but it was just – it was like the cricket and the crowd, the food was just like an explosion of your senses. Oh, wow. It was okay. – you, you need to check it out. But sure, yeah. ba- back to Chelsea on the terrace as a kid, food aside, w- what was the day at the footy to see Chelsea? Where were Chelsea in the league? Were they good? Who was your hero? Did um, you go I on a bus? Look, I,
1: I, I, went, I went through the era of – you know, I started sporting Chelsea before and won the FA Cup, the – Glory eras of, of Hudson and Osgood and Charlie uh, Charlie Cook. I then moved through the the horrible time when they when they got when they were down in the second division or what is now the championship. And that was it was always the same thing. You turn up, you go in the boys' entrance, you pay your fifty p. You, you you probably the boys got boys' entrance fifty p. Yeah, there, there, there was there was a little boys' entrance in it and I literally I I was so close to the ground that they've played a famous European game. They won thirteen nil. I was I was too young to go, so so I had the window open and I was listening to the crowd because I could hear the crowd so every time they scored you can there's a different there's a near miss oh (laughs) and then there's a "Ah!" when they score you're listening from where I'm in in my bed window open so it's that close to be able to hear it so yeah so so very and and those are in the days and I think you know I mean I think English soccer's, English football's moved on so much. But those were the days when the players lived round. You know, opposite the captain of the Chelsea team, a guy called John Hollins who went to Arsenal. You know, he'd walk on a Sunday, you know, down to the park to go to, to go to the playground. He'd be there in his blue overalls, working on his Ford Anglia. You know, bonnet up and just, just tinkering around under the hood. And Were they your heroes? And, and they, they, these are your absolute heroes. You know, yeah. that you know, that one of the great things. You know, again, you have the Yorda rough book. You go, you go, you go to training. Nowadays, training's a column and it's kind of, you know. Hard you know it's a very different experience in those days last friday of the month all The first team players would have a kick around in the car park, you know, rubbish bins for goalposts, and these absolute legends of the game be having a kick around. There'd maybe be 56 of you watching, so it's a, a different experience now with football. It's become so much mega business, mm. but I love this fact that you know, having my own kids now and you know, they'd be, they'd be playing goal kick, and suddenly one weekend you look around and there'd be half of the Collingwood team down there, you know, playing kick to kick with the kids. It's it's Isn't you know, that wonderful, it's marvelous. It's a marvelous experience for them, you know, the, vic- the victory coming to the sky. Schools and doing clinics and stuff like that. I think I think that's that one of the things we, we get we really get right here in Australia in terms of that that access and mm. and that kind of proximity. So did you play football as a kid in England? Played I played I played, oh, I played yeah. Yeah, Run first, me through. Give me first, give me a comparison to an international uh, player I'd recognise compared to Preston. Um, well I, I would be like I would be I would be like the Rennie Kink of the soccer field. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be kind of. It's not
0: what I was thinking. You know it's kind of it's kind of
1: it's kind of, that, that sort of idea. But no that standard thing of playing until it's dark until your mum comes to the door and. It's screams, come on, and, and you, you wrap up at 49, 49, 48, you know, that kind of <laughs> level. I mean, no, in terms of what, I, I mean, I played, I played rugby union. I played, I played a bit of cricket as a kind of trundling. Please, please put me on, on the top end of the slope trundling. Well, you're in. a
0: little medium pacer. No, I'm a bit
1: fast. I, I was
0: about to say. I, I think I you'd like be to, a man of like, passion. You'd be a, like, a batsballer.
1: I, I like to. I like to. I like to. Yeah. No, I was absolutely a cross. Cross. Cross bat batsman. Right, but steamed in. Still, yeah, steamed. Steam, okay. Steamed in, which is why, which is why, I like down the hill it <laughs> makes it, the the only one is down the hill when the light's starting to fade. There's, there's nothing <laughs> on better on
0: those beautiful English village green. Well, grounds? yeah, that, because
1: I play. I mean, I, I wasn't. Let's let's be clear here. I was not a good cricketer. But I was absolutely. We had we had a first team, we had a second team, and we had the relics, which was the team that went and played the pub teams. So we went round, the, we went round the Sussex um, Sussex pubs, playing on these beautiful village greens, and um, drinking illegal beers at, at you know at, tea, at, at, at the dinner break. It's beautiful.
0: I was saying to my 11 year old the other day, who's obsessed with cricket. I said, "Mate, at some stage, we were talking about school and where you go after school." I said, "At some stage, mate, if you get the opportunity, which I, I didn't have, but I saw it when I worked in the UK." If you get the opportunity to go as a eighteen, nineteen year old Australian and play cricket, it doesn't matter what standard, on some of those magnificent cricket grounds, it's time you, I, I, you'll I'll, never
1: regret. When, when my, my oldest did the did the cricket tour did when he? when he, and he went over he went over to the school side and they played it these beautiful village greens. You did know? you did you go? We went and watched him playing. S- it was special? it was yeah, it was it was special. It was special because, you know, they were they were kinda of, he would have been sixteen years and they are facing, you know, teams with, you know, oh that guy used to open the batting for guy and under twenties. You know, that's <laughs> it. So they were I've been some quite tasty people and he, he he loved it. It was that was a great experience. So look, I think that's I mean that, that that is one of the great joys. I mean, I love to watch. I'm a I'm a sports nuffy, but now I found myself in this brilliant situation of doing of doing Saturday mornings in the A B C and the last hour, eleven to twelve is yes. is sport with Catherine Murphy. So you know We've got Ben Brown and Ben, ben Brown and Cam Zerha talking, talking about his amazing cooking. Because right. Cam Zerha's now taking on Petraka as maybe having the reputation of the best cook Zaha. in the AFL. Zerha. Zerha's got skills as has, as has tracks. So, so that's fantastic. We talked to Cadell Evans last week. So this is, the, this is the ultimate nerd fan thing. Yes. About being able to go, oh, my, you know, there's pinch yourself moments where you're going, oh, my gosh, we've got this legend in and we're talking football and, you know. I feel but, it
0: all the time. It's, it's, it's,
1: I'm glad you brought up that
0: show because I, I was going to tell you this at the start. Um, so I, I typically call a, a one forty five game on Fox sure, yep. on, on a Saturday, um, and stay up on a Friday night in, in and, and I, I drive to the footy and I, I have two very close friends. Uh, one who is on SEN at mm-hmm. the time slot you're on, one who is on Triple M at the time That's slot right. you're on. So I'm swapping, but but then I get to you and, and I found this the other day and, and I think it's Dennis Cometti style. This was last weekend. I think it's your voice. You were talking about the best way to cook a grapefruit. Now, now I've got t- two, two very good friends of mine on yep. different sports shows, and yep. I'm about to go and call a game, and I find myself six minutes later, I'm still on Punt Road, and I'm still listening to you talking about cooking in. about a grapefruit. And then you say, up next, <laughs> up next, how to adopt a dairy cow. And I thought, <laughs> and, and 10 minutes later, <laughs> I'm driving to the MCC, and I'm listening to you talk about you've got a voice that, Draws people into the radio. You really do, mate. It's 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 a it's not something you can put on. You,
1: you're just blessed to oh, you've, have that. You've, you've got you've got to have someone who gets you really good stories. Well, you and, do. That, and and that that's what you want. You know what it's like. You, your producer is everything. Yes. Um, I'm very lucky that you know doing doing the the sports show with Catherine Murphy, who's you know uh, you know she's she's the one with the with, with the Irish yeah, she, accent. She, she's
0: got a beautiful accent and, as well. And she,
1: but she's a she's an absolute you know obsessive sports yes. nerd, and she can talk to you about you know the heavyweight wrestling championship, the, you know, the, the ultimate frisbee uh, champion, the underwater hockey, and as well as she can talk about what's going on with Richmond or what's happening, what, what's happening with the cricket, what's happening with the netball. So, so yeah, the, I mean, it's that, it's taking this attitude. If you don't love it, then how do you expect anyone listening mm. not to love it and be interested as well? And again, it's finding, it's finding that, that, that different angle. We are, my, my my sister is a, was she's now in management, but she was a sports journalist for twelve years on the tour. So was she on, also on the tennis tour. So she's done media training, and she used to say when she come to Australia, she said the interesting thing about Australia is Australia we're all about who's in, who's out, who's injured, what happened last night, what the hot topics were. There's not a lot about what's really going on mm. behind the scenes. Like like we do look at footballers as being maybe ten percent of who they are, and when you talk to we had we were we had um we've got. Chad Wingard's a regular now on the show. He's, Is he the Chad? Here. And he's he's fantastic. He'll talk about gong therapy, or or he hmm. might talk about forest bathing. He'll also talk about what's going, what's all going on at the Hawks, and who's the most high maintenance young player there, <laughs> and how how's an the old player doing with the young player. So you're, you're getting you get the sports stuff, but you get a little bit a little bit more of that colour as well. I think I think that's when you're not a like I'm no I'm no Howie I'm no expert. But but I but I love the fact that you can actually uh, draw people in to listen to, to other sides of what's going on.
0: Well, you, you drew me in, I say, mate, with grapefruits and yeah, no, how to no. how, how to You're look mugged. after a, a dairy cow. <laughs> um, if there was if you talked about and I have this all the time. I sit at work and I think I can't believe I'm sitting next to Alan Border or yeah. I can't believe I'm sitting next to Jason Dunstall, my, my two sporting heroes. If, if I could say to you now, some athlete. He's going to come into the ABC studio on a Saturday morning and sit with you for an hour. You can choose anyone who you're going with.
1: Gee. Mm. Who would leave you Gee. a little bit shaky thinking, well, well, oh can, my God. I can tell you who did. Um I had uh, when Catherine was away, I had Shiny Naughty and Shiny Leighton, you know, Netball legends, yes. uh, captain of the of the diamonds. And the first time we she co-hosted with me, she she said, I've got a little gift for you. And it was Peter Dacos. Right and and the whole reason I'm a Collingwood fan is that number thirty-five, the Masterton Marvel, is it dating an Australian girl back in the UK? She worked on Saturday mornings. She would. Turn the telly on when I was in bed. This is in the days when you had to use a broom handle to remote control. <laughs> um, and, and I watched, I'd, I'd been, my first day with her had been to see the the fa- the, the Hawthorne the Carlton game at the Oval. Then we're going to see the, the Battle of Britain, the, right. the North Carlton game. Yes. So I was kind of interested in what was going on. Fascinating. And then I start, so I had a bit of an understanding about AFL. And then and then I, that that combination of thirty five and forty two, the combination of Mullane and Dacos, that was you. Um, that that that's that's what made me go. What he could do with a rugby ball in inverted commas because of that I took it I came in remember you know who bounces one who who can who can like basketball a ba- basketball mm. basketball Australian rules football round a couple of descent fenders then spin backwards and, and kick a goal bananaing it through mm. the post. I mean that that was fantastic so so that and so how was it when he came in. I was, look, look, was I, it was a fanboy it was no uh, yeah I was it was it was from I'd, I'd met him before because my son had played my son had played rap with with his son with, with Nick um, I don't think
0: there's any – I've had this conversation just just to stop you for one short second. I don't think there's anything wrong in our role of showing or telling someone that you grew up watching or that you're idolised or that you love. Like, you know, sports journalism, it's a bit cool to yeah. look at an athlete, but I, I do
1: it. If it's someone that walks in, I, I'm like, wow. I, th- I, think you, I, think if you, I think if you're commentating – on a kind of on a certain level, you, you can't. You want to feel that the person is impartial, even though they're not. Um, mm. And certainly, that would be the way you would never know. Um, what commentators supported say, you know, when you're looking at world cup, you wouldn't, you wouldn't no. really know that. I think it's different when you're doing, you know, a ra- radio, radio here. Yes, And yes. and I, I totally lean into the fact that, that I'm, I'm obsessively Collingwood and Catherine <laughs> leans into the fact that she, she loves, she loves the Tigers. Um, but, but I also, but I also think you've got to be honest as well. When they, when they play badly, you gotta, yeah. you know, you gotta got congratulate the other team. You gotta, yep. you gotta own it. Cause I think that's the thing you realize, but, Growing up in England, if you went to football, you went to see your team. That's who who you go and see. But I I arrived here... In ninety three, a lot of my mates were, you know, Friday night, we'd go to the MCG and we'd watch Friday Night Foot. We'd go and see at that point, like North were playing Money Friday. Oh, right. You see the king. And you, and, see and you go and you go and see the king and you go and see Mickey Martin and you know and, <laughs> David and king. Th- that's right. All, all all those guys. But also you'd you get to see, you know, Liber and Jose Romero and you you get a sense of, of that idea of, of sport being something you can enjoy. And that's the one the great thing I think that that this is, you know, we always talk about what makes melbourne i don't I don't buy into the whole what's the sporting capital but the best thing about melbourne is that we'll, we'll even if it's a even if it's a co we're not particularly invested in we'll go just to to be there to see it to get a sense of it so so i think that that's one of the great joys
0: what brought you out here like you are talking about England and a girlfriend and then you, you
1: arrive in Australia what
0: what Oh look, you I here? I
1: came out cuz I was dating an Australian girl and right. it was we've been going out for 5 years in the in the UK and it was sort of and it was sort of like it's time for you to come back and see what my side of the world is So what like. were
0: you doing in England what were you doing I was
1: I was in I was in kind of uh, music I was in marketing. I was in magazines. All so I spent my time doing were uh, uh, Originally, I used to, used to organise everything from, you know, London's first non-Japanese karaoke bar to <laughs> shows by Nina Simone, by shows by Nirvana. So i be involved in all that stuff. Um, and then I moved into 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 working for one of the big TV magazines. Did, did you
0: so, perform? Are you? Are you oh, a, a I'm a terror
1: again. Again, I'm I'm the master of being bad at lots of things.
0: What were you bad at in the musical world?
1: Um, I'm bad at bass. Bad, bad at guitar. Right. Um, but you know, bad, surely back, you can sing. You've got the oh, yeah, balls to sing. Oh yeah. Well, I I can sing, but I, I think I'm the I think I'm the, the I have the the great uh, credit of being the fastest person out of the mass singer ever. So oh, okay, <laughs> so you okay. know so so I'm 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 guaranteed to be be you know. For, <laughs> Last one in first one out. so you're in the, you're
0: in this sort of media magazine music, you're, yeah you're man- playing, and-
1: playing in that space and then and then I came, I basically came out here to. Um, obviously the, the Australian soaps were massive, so I came out here to be a, a stringer, to be a correspondent, writing about Neighbours and Home and Away. So well, that's You why just I, write about what was on? I'd write about what was on, I'd send reports about what was on, because those days um, <laughs> the stuff that was on in Australia was on maybe two months before the UK, so I'd give them updates, we'd organise interviews, <laughs> I'd do interviews. So I started in, in, in that space, which is fantastic. So were so
0: you like a Neighbours...
1: I was the number. I was the number one. In, in, when I went to the twentieth anniversary party of the Neighbours, I won the award for knowing more about Neighbours than anyone else. I was a world. i so so, good at some stuff. So I am, yeah, yeah. I, that, there are, but that, but that is the art, is That is the, the art, Harry. When, when you surround yourself with people who genuinely are, you know, gold medalists, world <laughs> yeah, beaters. Yes, yes. You need to hang on to the one or two <laughs> you things do. you're really, really you good do. at. You're you really, do. really good at.
0: You're Patty Dangerfield <laughs> told me on this show. Don't worry about what you're not good at. Focus <laughs> but, on what you are good at. So mm-hmm. you're in that space. How does one? And I, I, I'm fascinated by this. I know, um, I know very little about food. Mm-hmm. I'm a plain eater. Uh, I, I don't cook. Um, but I'm fascinated by the role
1: of a, a restaurant,
0: uh, what is the, is the proper term critic? How's it should be called? I
1: I was, I was a critic for 10 years. Um. So how do you become one? Well, it's the Cinderella moment, you know. And I think this is the thing, isn't it? You know, we always talk about, and it doesn't matter whether, whatever you want to do, especially in media, you're just listening. And, you, and because opportunity knocks very quietly and someone literally, opportunity knocked on the door. I had a Cinderella moment where the fairy godmother said, oh, I'm starting a new magazine. I need someone to review restaurants. And I know you can cook a bit. And I know you, you love your food. Do you want to have a go at it? So I was like, yeah, why not? And what so what was, where was the first one you went to? Um, it would have been, first review I did was a... Chinese restaurant in Box Hill, and we had a one winter melon soup. The next one was Jeremy Strode's pom. Jeremy's standing longer with us, so yeah. I've got you know, you know, how you know, how they always say <laughs> the that Chinese chess, in the, you know, how you know, how the chess grandmasters can remember yes, every single move they made in every single game yep. across their career. So it's freakish. I've got that's again one of the things I'm quite I'm I can remember all these moments through 20 years of, of eating in restaurants. I I mean the great thing of course is the great and this is one of the great things about you know, we're talking about that that temp, people knowing the ten percent of you. Like, I stopped reviewing restaurants fourteen years ago. Yes. But I'm still am, you are I'm still Matt Preston, the restaurant critic, just like and, and you know, that's that, that's cool, just like I'm Matt Preston from ex Master Chef Judge. That that that's also part of it. Um so your then job is to go and show all the other all the other stuff uh, you do, which, which is why radio many. is so great. So as a reviewer, you, you
0: walk into a restaurant before you're known, because yeah. I wanna ask you what happens once you're known you walk in wh- how and what are you looking for and what are you assessing on cuz it, it's it's like I was watching the surfing last night and it's like well I could have a different idea of the score of that wave than you would than you would so it's very subjective it's like gymnastics it's not tennis whether it's in or out so so what
1: are you looking for when you, you know, walk I in I there? think I think you start with this idea that that, that food is a subjective thing but actually you know, if you if you get a mob of people together who eat out regularly, and whether it's Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, oh. and you and it's, and give them a list of five restaurants, they put them in order. They will put them in order, and pretty much everyone will agree on what was the best. And okay. because I, I think there's I think there's a kind of a sense of you know value for money comes into it, um, quality of the experience, but really it's about how much you enjoy the time you spend in that space with the food and with the people you're with. And so one of the great do you tricks. go with people? Oh, yeah. No, well, that, well, that was a great thing with, when I started reviewing. Normally reviewing is like you can take one other person. But I said, look, what I want to do, if I'm going to go and do, you know, I'm going to eat Indian food, then I want my three mates I play tennis with because we always go to Indian together. I want them to come and we'll split the bill, you know, instead of you paying for two of us, just pay for four halves of us. So it's the same. Okay. That you pay the same amount, but we get more yeah, more experiences so trying to match the experience you're going to have with the experience that people are going to go to the restaurant so you know don't go to but i wouldn't go with those three boys to um to uh, a romantic date restaurant mm-hmm. because that that's a different experience so you're always i think you know critic criticism is not about scoring a restaurant it's about matching people who are going to read that review with places they'll love Got and, and so, you know, for example, you know, that, that little family joint, which is noisy and bustling is great when you go there with your, with your kids. But, but if you're there for like a serious heart to heart. Um, you don't want to be there because the service will not be, the service won't be great. It'll be family. It'll be fun. and It'll get there and it'll be a bit haphazard and it doesn't impact on your enjoyment, mm. but it's about the enjoyment. If you get that same service when you're paying, you know, hundreds of dollars and it's in a top end of town place and, and you get that, then, then it's, then it's less acceptable. So again, I think it's that, you know, it, it's always fluid. I, I always used to say that the, the way you read restaurants is, is that that visceral reaction to them. So a truly great place you know you go to a great place when the next, next morning at 11.45, you're sitting outside the door of the restaurant so you want to have the same meal. Hmm. And, then, and then it kind of goes down from there. You, you know, you, you go to a great place, you feel like four-star review, if that's five stars, four stars would be, you ring, I'm Howie, I've just been to this place in... Queenscliff. It's just around the corner of you. You're going to love it. It's really good pizza. That, that's like a four-star review. And it doesn't matter whether that's fancy or not fancy. It's the, it's, the, it's the excitement you get versus the price. There's a kind of an equation there. And then you kind of go down to the point where, where you actively tell people your zero review is where you go, don't ever go here. It's really not worth it.
0: And what happens when you publish that review? Um, do, you, do you get phone it, calls? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, you know what? Ta- yeah. Tell me about that where you've given yeah. someone a, a less than ideal, and someone's jumped on the phone.
1: Yeah, look, look. I mean, I think I think it's different now because I think I think the because I think everyone's reviewing now because of social media. Everyone's reviewing. But when you were doing it, it, wasn't you had when, to read in, it in the paper? In, the, in those days, it was you know there were three major sources. My attitude was always if it was surprisingly good or surprisingly bad, you had to go back again and try it again. Um, it often that often so even if it was no good, you have to go even back. Even if it was no good, because you never know. Is it just a bad night? Steve Smith played a bad shot. You know, right? That, you know, it's it, you don't you don't write off someone on the basis of, of one thing because because any, any review is only a snapshot. So surprisingly good as well, or surprisingly bad, you are going to go back because the dream for a critic. Is to write a review and you read it and you go there and you go yeah that's about right spot on yeah that 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 that, that, that that's what that's what's that's the hard that's the hard that's the holy grail I think of criticism um, I, I think in terms of it was if it's really bad if it was really bad and it was a place that no one's going to go to and there's no one in there and it's dying you probably go. Is it better for me to tell people not to spend their money there when they weren't going to spend their money there, or is it better for me to? Is it better for me to send them to somewhere that's fantastic, that's yep. in and out of suburb, and they're going to have a great experience? It's different if it's a restaurant that's high profile, that's spending lots of money on on advertising, mm. that everyone's talking about going there. And it's got some flaws. Then, then you then you run it. You have to run it, and then you get you run into the normal. You run into the normal kind of. Um, uh, uh, actually, I think the polite phrase is shitstorm. Um, but but on that basis, invariably, <laughs> you've 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 held back enough information and stuff that you didn't put in the review. You say, but also there was this and there was that. Yeah, so I and, went easy on you. And, and most and most well, it's more you just often the people who are, who are bouncing back at you about a review. Either they weren't there, they don't know, they're not cooking the food. And it's more about the fact that, you know, for anyone who owns a restaurant, it's sort of like their baby. And so you're criticizing their baby. And so you realize that the reaction is often is often on, on that basis.
0: And what about when you become well-known for what you do and your profile starts to lift and then you walk into um, a, yeah, K- Kavoy and in Barwon Heads and they know... Well, it's easier to do a review on our food. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, does well, it change? I, well,
1: look, look. I think. I mean, I think it's. Uh, there's a famous story about a uh, about a Melbourne restaurant where where they knew the reviewer was in. They spotted the the reviewer. They took the they took the they took in the kitchen. He ordered a. I think it was a pigeon dish. They they took you know three guys to make pigeon, three guys to make a garnish, three guys to make the sauce, right? And then then the head chef picked the best pigeon, the best sauce, and the best garnish put it out there and we've done it this is it. the best meal we'll ever put up the, the head chef will, will yeah. tell you subsequently and you get, it got 10 out of 10 I think right. so, so you, you can't sometimes you can't necessarily <laughs> that's good business you can't necessarily you can't necessarily most of the time most of the time if it's a busy restaurant you know there, there are things that might, that might you might get a slightly bigger bit of fish but you're watching, a, you're watching across the other tables to make sure that you're not getting you know <laughs> superior service you're always looking at others at the table and the advantage I think when when you get known is you can actually go and talk to love we'll the table say so how's it going mm. so you kind of diffuse def- that I stopped reviewing because I was filming MasterChef in Sydney and it, 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 Melbourne wasn't really my, I wasn't spending the majority of my time in Melbourne so I thought it wasn't right for me to review Melbourne because I think you're going to need to live here and be you know, heavily your feet need to be deep under the table in lots of restaurants in the, in the place where you live. So I moved to writing about food and writing recipes, which I'd always done, but I, I kind of, I skewered my job. And that was at the time when MasterChef started because I I felt with MasterChef it started becoming, you know, it's, um, although I believe that 90% of the time, the, the, the 90% of the time, the, um, the, the critic is known or 80% of the time, the critic is known. uh, if there are, (laughs) <laughs> profile critic and that someone will find a picture and put it up in the kitchen. Um, I just felt it changed the dynamic of, of what was going on. And I think and again it's the perception was if you're a punter you're going, Oh, well he just had that really good experience because they knew who he was. So so it just seemed yeah, sensible to me for to to step away from that. And and look, I you know, I'll still if I go somewhere I really love and I think it's really good, I'll say, gee, you need to go to Made in Casa because, gee, the pizza's amazing and the handmade pasta's phenomenal and, and it's a great spot. And I'll put that up on you know, on my on my socials because it's nice to support people who are doing a good job. But but the rule is always, and this is the other thing when you become known, you, you, when you go and review, you pay for your meals, right? And you can't, so you have this problem. If they give you something, you've got to kind of tip them the amount that you've got it done which then doesn't get reimbursed so it starts becoming really expensive as well and also you can't really if they give you something you can't that shouldn't go in the review and so that that whole idea of the of that kind of very meticulous way that reviewing used to be run um I've, to a degree that i think that that softened a bit with with people with you know bloggers ringing up and mm. and saying i'll i'll do i'll I'll, I'll do some marketing for you and I'll also give you a good review and blah, 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 which is why I still like, you know, that's why I still read reviews by, by you know, the guys that are actually doing it professionally now.
0: Back to Matt in a moment. Next up on The Artist Series, a man instantly recognisable wherever he goes. He was in our homes pretty much every morning for 20 years covering the biggest stories with a common relatable touch. I speak, of course, of Koshy. David Kosh joins us next week.
1: So, and the, the money wasn't great, and I said, okay, I'll do it if I can get a bonus when we get to 50% of today's Show's audience.
0: And you're coming in at what? At uh, 5%. So you had some confidence in your uh, game. Well, and then I said, another bonus when we
1: beat them. And Seven said no. And I went, what do you mean no? They said It will never happen, and we don't want this to be disheartening to you going (laughs) forward. I said, look, I I was in the mid... It's not exactly a speech from the generals to fill the troops with joy. I know, I know. So I I said, look, I'm big enough and ugly enough to take that risk, and so they agreed to it. We got to 50% within nine months. We beat them after 13 months, and for the next 20 consecutive years, we won nationally.
0: That's David Koch next week on The Artist Series. Let's get back to Matt. So, just before we get to MasterChef, which you brought up, let's, um, and it'll, it'll be hard for a man of passion like you, but uh, I'll put you on the spot a few times as we go through this. Yep. Um, we're talking global now. Mm. Give me, it doesn't have to be a big description of why, but from your opinion, I love the way you described it with your friends or with mm. your family or on a date. Give me three restaurants somewhere
1: on the planet that I should go to. Well, I think, yeah, I think. I think you start in the wrong place, right? Okay. I think you're starting. I don't think it's about the restaurant. I think it's about the person you're going with. Right. I mean, there's a great line from a guy called Robert Castellani, which is never. It's not about the food on the table. It's about the eyes across the table. Okay. And so you're 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 you basically trying to match. So so for example, you know, we're going to we're going to see Barcelona play. Yep. Um, and and you got three of your mates and you're going to go to disfrutar in Barcelona. Um, there's amazing, it's disfrutar. disfrutar. It means and it's amazing. Food's super delicious, super tasty. It's kind of modern versions of really traditional flavors so you go wow that just tastes like you know uh, <laughs> the, the, the the tomato on crunchy bread you get with a glass of carver after you've been clubbing you know when, you, when, you, when you're straggling back at about five in the morning it's the same thing but it's in a it's in a kind of airy form so so that 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 would be one um other places other places that that are you know gee to go to mexico city and and eat tacos tacos Pretty special
0: okay, so where am I going? I've been to Mexico City, but like 1995. So, you, oh, you bring, look, bring me updated. All that, I remember nah. is all the green beetle taxis.
1: Well, that, look, you, you've, you've, got, you've, got, you've got your, your two best places place called Quintanil. There's a wonderful place, what's right it called? Quintonil. Um, and there's another, and there's a, and there's a, and another place called Puyol. They're the kind of ones that you'll find in the top top 20 of the world. Um, and there you'll have your flying ant larvae and all the fancy stuff, which again, super, super tasty. I love Quintanil. I think the guy there, Jose Valero, is a, a beautiful man. And a beautiful cook. But there is, in the old town, just off the main square, there's a little hole in the wall, right? And you go to the hole in the wall, it just has tacos. There, there, may be, there may be a dollar each. And there's this big bubbling pot, right? And a list in, in Spanish of, of, what, of what taco you can have. And it, the pot is like a cow jigsaw. There's every bit of a cow... Every, like literally every single bit of a cow. So you need to order carefully because in case you're going to get something that is not quite right. And, and that there's something about standing on a street corner, yes. eating, eating, eating from literally if the space would be about the size of your desk. Well, it's sides of the studio, it's tiny, and, and, and that, that's a, an amazing, delicious, super tasty experience, and it's super cheap. And then and then so, so we, we've
0: gone we've gone
1: uh, Barcelona, City. then we've gone Mexico, Mexico City. City. Take me one other place. Oh, one other place. One other place. I can you throw go. names at you, but I don't know where you've been. Oh, look, like I've been pretty much. Oh, okay, it's New York. Oh, look, look in, look in New York, you're probably going to go out of New York, you're going to go to Blue Hills, Okay. Uh, Dan Barber's restaurant. There's a wonderful... Kylie Miller, who was on MasterChef, um, very early days, is one of, she's one of the real superstars. She's now the sous chef there. She's done an amazing job. So you're going to catch up with your mate who's in the kitchen there. Yep. They grow everything. They also grow, you know, they find weird heirloom things like truth that don't taste earthy or and so it's always like wow what how do you do that what do you do so so that engages the brain and so there are those restaurants that are more than that they're that are kind of pilgrimage stuff blue hills blue hills in new york Noma in copenhagen um central which is the current number one restaurant in the world in Lima, which is like in and, Peru, in, in Peru, where you number one restaurant in the world, where you'll eat, where you'll eat, um, where they'll bring you, they'll bring you a bowl, and it's just a bowl of piranha heads with the the sharp little razor teeth pointing up, looking at you like, like stargazers, and you'll you'll eat you'll eat the cheeks, which are delicious, and it's one of those nice things where you eat something that would like to eat you.
0: How's your no- my, How's your knowledge of just world cuisine? My experience in Lima, I reckon, would have been. Chicken and rice, I reckon. So I wasn't yeah, going to the same place. But, but you see, look,
1: I think that, that's the other brilliant thing now about, about, about this world access to social media. Yeah. You end up with followers around the world and you end up with people who travel there. And, you know, the thing about, the great thing about, the great thing about Australia is you, you tend to go to places, you go to, I don't know, uh, famous restaurant in New York, um, David Chang's restaurant there. Um, he, he has his, his prime restaurant. He'd always say, you know, my number one clients are all Americans. My number two, you go. Well, do they come from England? Do they come from Canada? You know, Australians. Really? You know, you go to Fat. I went first last time. Last time went to Fat Duck. I took my, I took my old Fat Duck, which is Heston Blumenthal's restaurant in outside London. I walked in there, and it was like. When are you went to Point Lonsdale. It was like <laughs> there were literally five tables of Aussies there. Okay. So so that worked. That's lovely in terms of feeling at home. You know, Isaac so in San Sebastian, same thing. i we've got a table of Australians upstairs. You know, we, we love that. They they go, they travel, they, they they eat. But also they're a great source of knowledge coming back the other way. And I love that idea. I've always loved that idea of people saying you know, where did you, uh, me asking, where did you go? What do you eat? What's amazing? doesn't matter if you're bumping into some people from Mumbai about what's the best place to eat in Mumbai, cheap, what's the best place to eat, expensive. That that intelligence, one, they want to talk about it. Two, I really want to hear about it. And you're just filing that away. So you're always, because life is too short to drink bad wine or to eat bad food because, you know, and it doesn't have to come from an expensive place. It can come from a, you know, I mean, a great pizza in, in Naples would be, you know that that would be in terms of my list of things that everyone should do. Have
0: you got a venue for me?
1: I can go to Dematozzi, De which, which has been there for about 150 years. It was famous because it, it was on the road out from the palace, and so so people when they were coming back from balls at the palace would stop and they'd get a pizza on the way back and they'd eat it. They'd eat it in, in, in their carriage on the way back. Now these strange pizza warmers are outside. Um, it's just, look, I mean, one the 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 dough is amazingly light, but it's still elastic and it's puffy and it's delicious. <laughs> but the best thing about that place, they do this thing where they get the Tomatoes from tomatoes grow really well in volcanic soil. They get tomatoes from Vesuv- on the, the slopes of Vesuvius, so they're amazing tomatoes. They're plum tomatoes. They're quite robust. So what they do is they hang the tomatoes in little in those little um, net bags. They hang them for about five months, so they dry outside. So they intensify without being cooked so you uh. get that freshest you know when you get a really sharp sweet acidic tomato you probably grown yourself your mm. grandfather's grown it, it, it's that experience time tense. so the sauce the sauce of the pizzas in 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 Naples I think everyone talks about the, the dough the dough's amazing but it's the intensity of the sauce that makes them so special it is just as simple as tomatoes and bread but you know unlike you'll have anywhere else the passion
0: for what you do I I knew you knew a lot about food, obviously. And mm. I had no understanding of the depth of your knowledge. I got to say, the tomatoes. My again, my eleven-year-old. Um, he's come into growing vegetables with his mum, and he Brilliant. grew tomatoes recently and had his first crop. And I've never seen a kid so excited. He got them out, he sliced them up, he put salt on them, he offered them around the table. Your, your depth of knowledge has blown but, me away.
1: But but also but also the, the, I think that's the thing. We've had this revolution. We've had this revolution in the last fifteen years.
0: I think the, the cultural food revolution in Australia. I'm obviously way out of my depth here. It was what's the best word? It was. Uh, supercharged by you and yeah, the gentleman work. you work with on MasterChef. And all of a sudden you were showing us a different way to cook a, a steak or a chop or the mashed potatoes. And I, I think you changed the level of cooking in the country th- and, and credit to you. So how did you end up on that show? Do you get a phone call? Like how do you end up on my, MasterChef? My
1: mum's mom, my best friend who she was a primary school teacher back in the UK, back in the 60s, um, was Australian. She moved back to Sydney. Um, her daughter-in-law was casting the show and she rang me for advice because I was working for the Food and Wine Festival, rang me for advice on chefs who might be good on telly. Oh, to
0: to ask you who you thought. Yeah,
1: so, so, you know, a bit of unpaid consultancy. Was, was, was that it's, that way? Isn't it all? Yeah, uh, uh, it's so often. It's <laughs> isn't If, it only, all, if only we could find a way to, way to make it paid, it'd be good. No, but that's, but, but that's, but is that, but that's again, this opportunity knocking quietly mm. thing. So, so we're, we're, we're talking and I'm talking about people. And then the original Master chef was going to be a host and it was going to be two chefs oh. to judge. Okay. That that was the idea. And about halfway through, she asked me to send a, a photo in and we were talking. This been talking about 40 minutes by this time. Um, because she sort of thought, well, this guy knows a bit. Um, and and they, the photo went from her desk, the goes from her desk to the producer, to the EP, to the network, and they just liked the picture. They thought, I looked a bit shabby chic, and it was a different look, and not some Shelly sort of someone shit. you see on telly, and had a scarf. I can see the Had, shabby a, had a scarf around my neck, <laughs> and I was looking disapprovingly at a bowl of salad, and and the, the the line went back that you know if you can string a sentence together, we'll we we'll, we'll write we we'll third, we'll we'll have a third <laughs> judge. Three judges seems seems good. So pretty much on the basis of then the next the next um the next uh, the the actual audition, they went yeah you can talk, and so I kind of got a job really pretty much straight away there, which was great.
0: And I, I want to ask you about the, the semantics and logistics of a day on MasterChef, but, but how many series of that show, which I said was a cultural revolution for the country and, and, and everyone, you know, Sandy Patterson I know well used to work with her. Yeah, sure, She yeah. was heavily involved, and, and you and and George and Gary and all the contestants and Hayden Quinn, who I know well, and they were, they were these people that just exploded on our screens. How far into it until you became famous? And the most feared critic in Australia... Mr. Matt Preston.
1: We have a word in France for what you're doing with your food, and it's called wanky food. Come here. Give me a hug, because that is fantastic. Oh, my God. No. The taste of food and flavour. So really well done. Thank you so much. Well, look, I'll, I'll go first, because really... I you think, know, I think you know what I'm going to say. That's yeah, a, I know what you That's are. a monster yes from me. I love it. Really good. <laughs> really, good. really good. The thing about doing primetime TV is pretty much, the moment you start, people know you. And I had that experience on, on my... When I I did the first season of my Restaurant Rules, and I noticed really quickly that you know I was heading off to Singapore to a food festival, and you know the guy checking my passport knew I was, and the guy scanning my bags knew I was, and that was pretty. Disconcerting. Someone walked up to me in the, you know, in the bookshop, and and just just came up, and he walked around me, staring. Didn't say anything. Walked around me, staring, then walked up. Just in a circle, oh, freaking me out, right? <laughs> so, so, uh, out.
0: so how did you deal with it when? Oh, you it's became... really bad.
1: Re- really bad. Now, I've talked. I've talked about this before. Not, not, not well, because it kind of went in my head. I went. Wow. It's like you know, I didn't had had no sense of that. So I'd had that experience, and, and I and I think when when MasterChef came along, and that happened really quickly, there was a sense. Again, because it was we were filming in Sydney. there was three guys from Melbourne doing it. There was a definite sense that we kept each other honest, and so you know, if we were, if we started acting like a dickhead or going, oh god, where are we got to go? Got to get a taxi. Where's the limo? Or if so, the other two would just. On go, don't don't see- be ridiculous. You could be digging ditches. Pull yourself together. You don't together. seem to be that type of. No, no, but no, but yeah. But the thing is, and you see with 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 young kids, with beautiful young kids, are footballers or or tennis stars. They get signed up by a big management yep. company. Yep, they get in the air, and these absolutely beautiful people turn around really quickly because because they they start to believe they are something. And I think the advantage we had is is we were being told not just by our partners, but also being told by each other on the show that look, mate. We're not digging ditches for a living. Um, it's great. It's just food. We've got to be honest, we've got to do what we love, we've got to be we, we all none of us wanted to play the, the kind of normal reality T V show games of, you know, the bad judge, yes, the good yes, judge, whatever. Yes, yes. So so we, we, we came out we came out firing pretty much with this agenda. We just wanted to be supportive to people and you know, and, and this lovely idea that that it wasn't about winning. That's great to be the MasterChef, but you know, you know, we after eleven seasons of MasterChef, Two hundred and forty contestants. Twenty four of them went on to have TV shows. You know, a whole heap of them went on to cook in great restaurants around the world to win to win hats, to have their own places, to, in their own way, achieve that little bit of a life changing dream. And that that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing to be a part of. And I liken it. I liken it. To, it's a bit like being the under nines footy coach, right? And, yeah, and okay. you've got, you've got, a and you got this one kid <laughs> yeah. who's pretty good. Yeah. And, and, and that was us. We were like, oh, this kid's pretty good. And then you don't know what's going to happen. But then, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, five years later, one year later, they're, they're achieving something. You go, you feel a little bit of pride, you know, it's like that footy coach sitting there, sitting there, you know, first game when they debut for the team or, or when they're playing in a grand final and going, I've had a little part I have a little part to play in that yeah, development. Cool. It's a really your, nice thing.
0: Your man um Hayden Quinn, who was who was very relatable. I, he ended up off the back of MasterChef um Hayden, working uh with me on the first thing I have to, to commentate was the Iron Man. Right. And we we're on the Gold Coast and uh we I think we were sharing an apartment. He said, I'll make us lunch. I'm thinking, oh, what's he's gonna cook up like Duck La or what's he got here, the guru? And he came back and he made me um a Chicken, avocado, mayonnaise sandwich. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And it was the best chicken mayo no, and avocados and I've ever had. And I text him occasionally now and he's like, where are you, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not as good as the chicken have, yeah, mayo yeah, yeah, and avocado yeah, 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 you made
1: right. me. And, and, look, that, and that's that's an that amazing thing. I mean, Justin Schofield in the in the first season was like that. You could give her the same set of exactly the same ingredients. And the and the same recipe, and you give that to her, and everyone else in in that year, and hers would taste. Yeah, you know, that, the chicken would taste more chickeny. It's amazing you know? because certain so, certain people that that's that amazing innate cooking ability. We, we've seen lots of people like that. We've also seen people who weren't great cooks who just developed because the whole idea of MasterChef is it's a long period of time to film 65 episodes. They're living together. All they're doing is, you know, they're they're in, they're kind of sequestered away in a house together. So they're teaching each other the whole, the whole time. So you've got this amazing, some amazing pace of development.
0: So without going too far into the weeds, give me, I, I think the unique thing about the show, as I, I said to you, I don't say it with pride, but I, I haven't had a cooking background. I don't cook. I enjoy food, but it's not my bag. But then I can happily watch MasterChef because it was positive for a start. You're always pumping people up and people were having a crack. So I've always enjoyed the show. But um, talking to Sandy a little bit, Sandy Patterson, who's yeah. been heavily involved in production, she said they're long day. So what's a typical day? Like What time do you get in there?
1: Uh, i get in a half an hour late normally because I'm, I'm normally late. Um, I'd be in first because um, I had hair. Um, so that had to be done. Um, and, uh, and also there'd be a long discussion about what, what we were going to wear. Um, so I don't know. We, look at the beginning, at the beginning, you know, when we first started, I think our first day was 19 hours.
0: 19 hours. Yeah,
1: 19 hours, 17, 18, I think were the first three days. Wow. But, but that, but that's because no one really knows what you're doing and how it works. And that's you, a big day. And you, it's a big day, but you, but you know, again... You're not digging ditches. I've dug ditches. Yep. That's a big day. Oh. You do eight hours digging a ditch. That is a big. Have you day. dug a ditch? Yeah, yeah, of course. Where yeah. did you dig ditches? I, I used to work for the. I used to work for the local council. Did you in a park dig, digging right. ditches and planting trees, and that, that's. That's proper hard Which work. Was the, where was the council? Um, next door to the BBC. It's a, it a private okay. park next door to QPR's football stadium.
0: Okay. So, in the, so, so it's, a, it's a long day. Uh, yeah, um, but, it, but,
1: it, but you're not doing much. TV's not hard work. You're on work. your feet the whole time. No. We, but, when, but then, then there's a break and they've got to clean down and there's lunch and there's all this stuff. So there's a lot of – and there's, there's meetings and chats and discussions. So, you know, I don't – I think anyone who tells you TV's hard work Come on, they don't really, you know, it's no, not really. this boss
0: is not listening here, presto. when no, I'm but, always but, but telling him yeah, he's working me yeah, hard.
1: But you know what I mean? It's, I don't think it is. I think it's, you know, especially especially not when you're doing something. And this is the old cliche yes. about, you know, you never work, you're doing something you love. I, we, I just loved it because you're constantly getting inspiration, you, you're doing you're doing stuff. But you cook, you know, you're one-hour cook, so one-hour cook. You might do a couple of those in a day, you do some tastings. You know, invariably TV, invariably TV wants way more than it actually can need, you yep. know, it'll be a five-minute segment and they'll want three hours of interviews.
0: The and, tastings, you know? so the tastings, because uh, um, you see it all plated up beautifully and then I, I understand all the shots they're taking. I think, gee, this must be taking a while. Like, if I'm the last in line and I've cooked my um, – Chicken pie, for yeah, you. yeah. Well, look, we we all work? these
1: things, but all these things that they're all stuff that we learned on the way because we we were like, well, it's it's you can't just taste in order because the first to be hot and the last to be cold. Yeah. So so one of the things we did was we got them to, to, to cook a kind of like a, a stunt version of the dish that wasn't pretty. So a gets, stunt version. So so basically they they put up the elements. We'd taste it yep. immediately after the moment they got time up okay. bomb around and we taste everything you know do a little three minute tasting round the things <laughs> and do it stuff we love we, we love and, and look that you'll find that we did the same thing on we did the same thing on plate of origin did, um, yep. didn't do the same thing on MKR MKR's great because the food is hot hot. it's coming straight from the, the kitchen to your table so it should be hot so that becomes a, a matter so you know anytime you're doing stuff where where they're cooking there and then and you're eating straight away and it's a, you're eating in a separate space there's no need to clean down or make it look pretty anything where you taste the benches is great because you can you can get you can get in and the food will be, be, be hot and if it's not you've got to find ways of of trying it in its best possible form
0: and then at the end of the day like if I'm thinking I'm at the test match I'm thinking oh six o'clock uh ripper it's been um, been a good day, and we'll go out to dinner. A few of us tonight. H- how much have you eaten during the day? Are you still hungry to go out no, for dinner to well, have that enjoyable meal, or do you, are you
1: eating all day? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm a professional. I mean, I you know, know you are. You know, I mean, I mean, if, if there's a good re- if we're traveling, there's a good restaurant to be had. We'll, we'll undoubtedly be there. Okay. You're not. You're not eating. You're not in a lot because you tasting is is typically maybe a teaspoon of food. That's it. So they're probably really tasting the teaspoon. I mean, there are you know. Let's be honest, we love our food. If it was something really delicious, the whole lot would go oh, okay. but but yeah, but again, you don't want you don't want to, you don't want if you're doing a big day of and so you're doing like 20 dishes, you want you're going you're going easy because you want to respect the last one. The great thing, obviously, if, if you get a dish you want to finish and it's the 19th of the day, you know it's really good. <laughs> I mean, good. That, that that straight away, you've got a winner, you've got a winner right there, but you're probably not eating you're probably not eating eating a massive amount, so you know, 20, 20 teaspoons of food, I suppose, if you think about that amount. So it's not you're not sitting down. And having a three-course meal time times twenty, so I think that's important. That's important to realise.
0: Um, well, these are the things we don't realise. That's why I'm fascinated because yeah. all so, we see is the one-hour show. And that
1: that, that 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 that's right. So so I think the so I think in terms of you never you know you you're you're not you know you're not going to go back and you're not going to go back and have a three-course meal every night. You're not going to stop by, you know, the the a View de Monde or a or, or a Pellegrini two thousand for a for a, for a degustation probably on the way back. You're going to do that in your day off. But again it's not, you know, it's like it's like all these things. It's you know, the days can be long, but you learn to you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a food writer. I'd write I'd write articles, or um, or you know, you become the master of the, of, the, of the of the quick sleep. You know, you're in a car, poof, you fall asleep. Yeah, you're not playing poof, you fast asleep. You know, you, you you've got you've got a, an hour for lunch, quick, catch up, catch up on some sleep. Um, I think it's harder when George and Gary had restaurants to run because yeah. they'd come back and they'd have to do a, a full night service, and so they <laughs> they would literally be doing you know big days and then doing that as well. So that, that that's a that's a massive problem. But again, as I say television is not hard work. No
0: you're right but you have got to stop saying that because the yeah, well, I, know. Gotta, well, yeah, I know I know <laughs> I know stop and, saying and, that and,
1: mate. But, but 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 what it is is the people who are good at it are worth every penny they're paid. There
0: you go. And, now and now when, you're starting to and, talk. Sense.
1: And, and when you think about, when you think about, it doesn't matter what your area of interest is. If you're obsessed with woodworking yep. or gardening or birds or football, there are those people you want to watch, and those people you go, oh, this is them commentating? Well, I might watch because now often you've got the game on. You've got the game on maybe three radio stations, yep. two different. T- you can, we can actually have what do you want? What do you want? Tri- you know, listen to watch it. You watch Fox. You can have Triple M. You can have okay. the ABC. So, you can, so,
0: so are you? Know, you... <laughs> Is my voice popping up and you're changing onto the ABC radio? Or no, 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 Are you sticking no. with me or oh, not? I'm, Don't I'm,
1: cut me to the core here. We're, we're all watching KO, aren't we? Oh, good. Everyone's, good. everyone's tuning in for good. KO. Good. <laughs>
0: good man. I just worry that you you're turning me off. on, on geez. All right, thank you. That is the end of Matt Preston, Part A. So many more chapters to come in Part B. See you there, legends.